0: Good morning, and today is September 23rd, and you're listening to the 10th episode of Ty's Daily cute Video Game Podcast. Well, I made it to 10 episodes, so I guess that means something. Um, <clears throat> I'm still having the issues with the recording, but what I'm gonna do while I'm doing this is I'm gonna break it up into segments. So I will stop and start, stop and start. You know, you won't really notice it, but it'll actually allow me to gather my thoughts between each one anyways. Um, and that way I don't lose, whole, you know, huge sections of the podcast when it does stop recording. I'm not sure why that happens, but uh, we'll just uh, figure out a way around that. Okay, so this weekend, what did I do? Well, um, I was able to do some work on my Donkey Kong Jr., besides doing a bunch of other household-related tasks. Um, But, uh, yeah, so I... Stayed up late on Saturday night, Saturday night, and uh, I installed a cap kit in my uh, Donkey Kong Jr. And I got some video I'm going to put up on YouTube so you guys can see the, you know, just the basics of how to do a cap kit. And uh, also, um, after I did that, in the, uh, I uh, I installed the side art on one side of the cabinet. <laughs> you know, as part of that, I had to fill in some two holes on each side that the operator had. Uh, uh, put in the cabinet. <coughs> Excuse me. I inhaled some stuff earlier, like uh, some dust. <coughs> there you go. That's better. Um, yeah. So he had, he had drilled two holes, like right around the mark—not the, the marquee, but the bezel area on the sides—to um, keep somebody from just punching it out, you know. And so um, I took and uh, took those screws out, and uh, I had to fill them in where he'd put them, so that. uh, I had to do that before I put the side art on it. It was all kind of like a, had to happen in a certain specific order before I could get this whole thing done. So before I could fill the holes, I had to take the monitor out. And since I had the monitor out, I needed to do the cap kit on it. So I did the cap kit. And then before I could put the monitor back in, I had to fill the holes obviously, and you know paint the little bits of the hole that were filled in with Bondo. And then put the side art on before i can put the monitor brackets which go through the side art um so really when it when i'm done which i already got one side done but uh on the uh on each side there should only be two bolt holes and uh, they're just for holding the monitor brackets um i know some guys actually what they do is they'll put it if they're completely redoing the cabinet they'll put some t-nuts in and then they will fill in and then uh, fill in and put the side art over top of it so there's no bolt holes at all which uh looks good but uh you know it's not like it's hugely obtrusive to have the bolts there I mean it's like kind of a little bit overkill um I'm not sure what I'm gonna do with that Donkey Kong 94 cabinet um if I'm gonna use bolt use bolts to do it or not um but uh yeah so I see why they do it because they want to look they, they put all this effort into it why not do that but then it's not the way it used to be so I don't know, just, there's two sides to every story. So uh, that's all I got to say about that in particular. Um, so some cool things to tell you about. So um, so while I was filling in those holes, uh, I came across a, a really good idea. So um, normally when you fill a hole in with Bondo, you fill it and then you sand it and then you fill it again and then you sand it and then you fill it again because what happens is um, the Bondo actually shrinks when it dries so you fill it and then it shrinks into the hole and then you put some more in and you sand it and it still shrinks in it's it's, it's highly annoying um, and then you put some more on top of that and uh, but in the process you know my cabinet is like in you know pristine shape on the sides there's no um, you know like damage to it it's it is a particle board cabinet I have got a plywood too but um, you know the the plywood one was actually in worse shape because of the the actual gel coat had got chipped off in, in some areas so I had to really Bondo that, that one up quite a bit. But this one, it's just got those bolt holes. So I just want to fill the holes in and the art's going to go over top of it anyways. So, um, but what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to sand away the good part of the cabinet. You know, the area where I'm sanding the Bondo down, I want to minimally paint it. I don't want to use a lot of paint, you know, on this thing. So what I found is that I actually, rather than sanding the cabinet down, um, you know, you, I fill the hole, and I kind of scrape it as smooth as possible. But then I take a dry magic eraser, and then I rub. After it's dry, I rub the Bondo, and it actually starts to remove the Bondo without actually damaging the finish on the cabinet. I mean, it always to depend on what kind of finish your cabinet has on it, but in the case of a Nintendo cabinet, it doesn't damage it at all. So I was able to just, you know, essentially sand it or magic eraser it, to make that into a word, um, It's smooth, and then put paint over top of it. <coughs> and uh, actually, the, the uh, left side of the cabinet was, had the least amount of damage to it, you know, like from the bolts, they actually didn't go in as far, and I was able to fill that one in, you know, pretty easily, and make it look nice and smooth, and put the side art on the other side. I had to do more coats of Bondo, you know, it's not, it's like a tiny hole, I mean, it's like a, it's like a, an eighth of an inch square hole, because it's, it's got the square from the uh, carriage bolt. Uh, notch in it, but it's like an eighth of an inch square hole on on uh, where those two holes are on each side. But um, you know, so it's not like a gigantic hole, but the the you know the bondo does drop, you know, doesn't get quite smooth. So you got to take your time with it, and not want to rush it because it's you know actually that's the right side of the cabinet um, isn't the upper one is not fully covered by the artwork. It's only like half covered, and I might adjust the artwork to cover it completely. I got to decide. You got to see how it comes out. <coughs> But um, I've got color match paint that matches it perfectly, and the left side when I did it, it looked really good. So I, um, I mean, I could have not put artwork on it, and you wouldn't, you would, would barely even notice that I had touched it up. I mean, it's just a tiny little spot that I just touched up the paint on. So, and, I, and actually, the cabinet doesn't have paint on it; it's got that special coating on it. It's different than the particle, the plywood ones, but it's some kind of coating that's. Uh, it's not vinyl. It's not um, paint. It's like. Uh, it's like embedded into the particle board. Um, and on the, uh, on the plywood ones, it's like a gel coat. It's like, thi- I don't know exactly what it is. It's something. Um, but I couldn't tell you what they do on the particle board ones. They were made in the United States versus the ones that made in Japan. So, uh, yeah, so that came out really good. Um, the, the new artwork looks phenomenal on the sides. It looks just amazing. And I, and I don't know if I told you guys in, in the podcast, but um, it's definitely a YouTube video that's actually second quality artwork. Um, So I got it for $45 um, for both sides. So, you know, not not $45 each, but $45 for both. Um, And the only issue with it is that it was the mask was on kind of tight. This is what he said. And uh, I could see it was on there pretty tightly. Like it was, um, you know, just because it was sitting around or something. But I got it off fairly easy. If you look at the YouTube video, you'll see that it came off pretty well. Um, The only other thing is that the one side did have a little of a crease in it. Um, But you really got to stick your face right up to see it as well, so um, You know for forty five dollars, it's great. So um, rather than spending a hundred dollars hundred dollars plus to do the side art on it. I Got I figure I got a pretty good deal, you know, other than that the cabinet looks great. The only things left to do on it now are to uh, You know once I get that side side art on um, you know put the monitor back in it, which is easy um, And to uh, clean up the control panel. There's a couple cigarette burns that'll buff right out um, and the, on the, the front of it, there's a coin stickers, um, you know, there's one in the center on the, on the actual speaker door, speaker panel, and it has like 25 cents to play. You know, it's just like a little black, black and white sticker. It's kind of uh, arrow shaped. And then each coin slot, there's a 25 cent, uh, uh, label too. And I, there's, mine still actually has both the labels on it, uh, both sets of labels on it, but... They're kind of worn, and I got a brand new set of them, so I'm gonna take those off and put brand new ones on. This thing's gonna look really nice when it's done. Um, I mean, the thing is not—I mean, other than what I've just touched up those little bolt holes and put new side, new stickers on it. The cabinet is beautiful. I mean, the only thing I was gonna say is like on the—if you look at the sides of the cabinet, um, the very bottom lip of the edge, not the—not the black base part, but that is got a little, couple little, I would say dings. of it's not chipped off a little bit chipped from like being scuffed around and stuff or probably someone putting a uh uh, a dolly on the side of the cabinet and then tipping it back and then it kind of puts a little pressure on that bottom lip edge kind of dents it in a little bit um but it is nothing i mean i know some people would want to just like oh i'm going to repaint the whole side because it's got these little i mean they're so tiny um it's like just the we're talking like a sixteenth of an inch like a little flake kind of denty, flaky area, um, in, in certain spots, not the whole bottom of it either. And I know some people like, I'm going to repaint the whole thing because of that. And I don't see the need to do that. I mean, it's like, it, it's, it, I'm sure back then it would probably look like that. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, people, some people want it absolutely perfect and that's great. I mean, I can understand wanting it absolutely perfect, but it's not going to stay perfect. Um, even with you having it, cause it's going to get a little dinged here and there. So, um, you know, obviously, you're going to take way better care of your things than it would be if it were sitting on a location somewhere, but you know, things get worn out, you know, they're not, nothing's forever, and that's the one thing I always try to remind myself is because you know, you, you got this kind of like OCD thing where you want to something, something to be perfect, and that doesn't always work out like that. So, you know, if you, if you try so hard to make it perfect, and maybe you do make it perfect, but then it's like it gets wrecked, and then you, you, you feel this kind of horrible sensation because of the fact that oh this thing i had perfect now it's ruined or you go to do something and you make it worse or you know those those kind of things so um you know they're just things you know you're gonna die one day and you won't be able to take them with you so um you know just enjoy it it's a hobby at least that's my opinion um you know just have fun with it and uh but don't let it stress you out because it's not worth it to get stressed up stressed out and upset about something which is not critical to your life. You know, it's, it's for enjoyment only. You know, I've got that Star Trek Next Generation pinball. And that's something I always wanted. And, uh, you know, that one would be hard to, if I screwed it up, I'd be kind of, I would still be upset about it, but you know, I really enjoy it. It's a good thing. Um, you know, so I'm gonna you know, take it easy on that kind of stuff. You know, got relax, you know. In particular, because the thing is worth so much, um, you know, because it's a pinball machine in general, and because it's like the number three pinball, or number four, rated pinball machine. Personally, I think it's number one, but, you know, that's a matter of opinion. Um, yeah, so, like I said, the control panel I need to buff out, put those stickers on, and that thing will look really good when I'm done. Um, it already looks really good, so, um, not bad for a free game. Uh, You know, I put about, you know, I put 45 into the artwork, and, well, the stickers are five dollars total, I think, five or eight and uh, let's see I had the control panel I bought for something else so do I count that? Yeah, I probably should count that you know that was something it was like 25 or something like that. I got it for a deal because I bought the bezel too And uh, but yeah I can't remember exactly what that came to. Um, all right so I'm gonna stop here. It looks like it's recording but you never know so stopping. Okay, back on just to make sure we got it going. So, yeah, you know, the thing I keep thinking about is uh, I keep thinking about Jane's uh, Killer Instinct and how awesome that came out and uh, how much I want to give a, give that a play because I have not played Killer Instinct in so long. And uh, yeah, i really love to have a nice Killer Instinct. That's a, that's a great, great game to have. Um, and anybody who's going to come over is going to want to play that, so, but you know, I'm not getting any more games, so um I'll just have to settle for going over to his house and playing. And I hope that he gets that uh Killer Instinct 2 board fixed too. I'd like to see that. So we can play that one as too. That one as well. Um He did a really good job on it though. Um not thinking of anything right now, what else to say? Um it's pretty foggy out right now. <sighs> it's a Monday. Mondays are Mondays are interesting days. Um, always manage to like have a hard time getting out the door Monday. Not because uh, uh, I get up late or anything like that. It's Just like always something, you know, happens and not happens bad. It's just like, I think it's because I get used to the weekend. And then when Monday comes, you know, getting ready to go, um, always have a, always just kind of like mis-estimate or, yeah, misestimate. is that a good word? <laughs> I underestimate or overestimate underestimate how much or what time it is. You know, just not looking at the clock, not thinking about it. So, um, like I was rushed to get out the door, put get my lunch ready, and trying to get back to losing some weight. It's really hard though without the exercise. Um, you know, I just I try not to eat too much. I really I don't eat that much. Um, but the problem is that it's just the sedentary lifestyle I live, um, you know, with uh, my job where I sit at the desk all day and just program. You know, it just kind of takes away from that. I mean, I used to, when I was losing weight, I was actually walking two miles during my lunch. But I, I can't walk two miles with so my foot the way it is, and I got to make an appointment to get my foot checked out by a uh, osteo whatever guy or some you know not not a podiatrist um, to see if there's What else is going on? Why it still hurts so much? Um, It's like being an old man though. I mean, it's like, you know, you see those guys get up and then they walk and they're like, just kind of the Tim Conway walk and not even that. I mean, I get up, if I lie down in bed at the end of the day and uh, you know, my foot hurts when I go to get in bed. And then I go to get up till I go to the bathroom or something like that. And it's only been like in bed for like, you know, uh, 10, 15 minutes. And when I go to get up, the, my foot is just so sore. And I'm like, just, barely want to put any weight on it, um, you know, during the daytime, it doesn't bother me nearly as much as it does in nighttime, but it still bothers me if I sit down, like I'll be sitting at my desk and I'll be, you know, programming, and, uh, you know, I'll be sitting there for maybe like an hour or two, and then I get up to go, like, go get lunch or whatever I'm going to get up to do, Someone go ask somebody a question or talk to somebody about something, and my foot will just kill me for like the first... 15, 20 seconds of walking, and then it's then it's just kind of achy, sore, and then if I walk around a little while longer, it doesn't bother me, like, unless I really go at it, you know, like, really run on it or something. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's the broken foot that still hurts, uh, but man, it, it still kills me. Uh, so I really want to get, I want that to get better so I can actually do stuff on my foot, because it's, it's really frustrating, you know, uh because I can, you know, I can walk around, but, but to exercise or like ride a bicycle or walk, walk, you know, long distances on like surfaces, like hard surfaces, and that's, that hurts. So uh, the other thing is I gotta get new sneakers because sneakers just don't last when you walk in them. They just don't, they're, you know, if you could wear sneakers forever, but they're not good for your feet. And, uh, and having, a, having a injured foot, you really become aware of that because I, I bought these uh, Ardea sneakers back, I would say in oh February, March, April, somewhere around that time, uh, when I was doing that, when I started exercising again, you know, before I found out I broke my foot. And uh, when I first got them, you know, even with my injured foot, because this was before I went to go to the doctor for it, um, you know, my foot still hurts like it does now. Back then it hurt like that. Um, I would wear these sneakers, and they were give me good support. But by the time now, if I go and I just walk around these sneakers, I'm, I'm trying to wear the The guys said I should wear my shoes all the time, not walk around barefoot. And uh, I've been wearing wearing the shoes, and they give good support. But now they're just kind of they just blown. They're not they don't look blown apart for the most part, but they just don't hold me like they did when they were new. And uh, I wish that someone would make I wish someone would make a good athletics shoe that would last longer than you know four or five months. Um because they were within four or five months they were pretty blown out. And you know the sneakers aren't cheap. I mean those were they're were cheaper shoes than buying like a pair of Jordans, but I don't think Jordans are gonna last that long either. And I say Jordans, I mean that makes me sound old because it's like what's the, the guy now that's got the sneakers that everybody wants. Um I mean, they still make Jordans, but the other one—I can't think about. It. There was a line for them; they like 100 or 200 or 300 dollars sneakers. Uh, but they're just the same. They're just—I mean, a Nikes are probably the worst sneaker you can wear. Um, Nikes are garbage. Um, they kill my feet. Um, the ones I find actually are the that feel the best are uh, New Balance sneakers or Adidas. But with if I get Adidas sneakers, I gotta change the inserts in them. With a New Balance, I actually could wear them without the without putting a, a, a kind of like a, not an orthotic, but just a, a better insert in them. Um, the idea is just have like a real simple thin, very thin foam insert in it. Um, the New Balance actually have a better one in them. I just don't like the way New Balance sneakers look for the most part. They're always so dull. Dull, they're kind of like gray and black and brown and, uh, they're, you know, really hard to find ones that have any kind of interesting colors to them. Um, I don't like wearing brown sneakers. Um, or gray sneakers. If you see my uh, Adidas ones, they're. Uh, I mean, they got they got like a light gray, but the accent is you know it's it got accents on. It. It's got red, bright red, yellow, like this chartreuse yellow. You don't know if you call it yellow or green. It's that you know bright neon color, and yeah, so it's like black, gray, red, and yellow, and uh, I had another pair of Adidas that were primarily yellow. And, uh, these are, like, mostly gray. But this, the accent colors are cool. I, I like, I just like the, I like the way Adidas does their shoes. I mean, you know, some people don't like flashy sneakers and stuff like that, but I do. Um. I don't know. Oh, exhausted. Going through the toll booths now. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, this weekend also, I went out and did a, I had to do a few things. I didn't actually have to do any grocery shopping, which was good, um, but I did go to, I took the trash to the transfer station and the recyclables transfer station. And I took out my uh, uh, My uh, deposits. It's really cool because uh, what, you know, depending on what state you're in, but in New York state, um, they collect deposit on every uh, bottle and can that's got soda in it or water bottles, and uh, it's a nickel per uh canister and uh personally you know i pay enough taxes in new york state that i i really don't want new york state getting more of my money so while it would be easy to just drop them off with the regular recyclables and that's really where they should be going anyways um in order to get your your nickel back per container you got to take them back to the store where you got them and uh which can be really a hassle because like some things are some, because the store only, by New York State law, only has to take the canisters that they sold in their own store. They can't, they don't have to take canisters from other stores. So, um, you know, some beverages are only sold at, you know, Walmart, and some are only sold at grocery store, and some are only sold at certain convenience stores. And, uh, you know, I'll end up with like a, you know, uh, some bottle from the, the gas station that I go to or um, you know, or from the grocery store or from Walmart and it used to be I'd have to take these that to one to the one place, another to the other place. And you know, it's like they just kinda like I just get really annoyed and then my wife would end up throwing them away because I'm like saving them to get the deposit back. By throwing them away by putting them in the recyclables. And uh but now in actually in my my town there's a place called the Redemption Center. And at first I think it's a kind of religious place, but <laughs> Um, but it turns out it's just one place that you can take all your bottles and cans to, and just deposit them. Um, and it's because all the no matter what store you take your, your canisters to, they all end up going to the same company that recycles them. I mean, at least in New York City, so this place, a company called Tomra, um, that takes them in. And uh, so, by going to this redemption center, I can just bring all of them at once, and they like count them out super fast. I don't have to load them into those machines that count your bottles which takes forever and then you don't get your money you get a receipt that you have to go to the to the registers to get your money so it's like it's so annoying um, and then and what ends up doing is I come in the store I, I return the bottles you know and then I do some shopping and I go to pay and I forget that I have them and I pay and I'm like then I see them afterwards and I'm like ah oh, I didn't use them and then I'll, next time I'll do it and then next time comes around now they're all crinkled up my wallet so that sucks but this way I just get cash back works great so there's a little non-secretary. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so I, um, I had stopped at the, uh, you know, I did that, and then I went to the library book, pick up my wife's library books, and right near the library, uh, uh, library there's a used game store in town. It's called uh, uh, Games of Plunder. And like I had talked about it before, he's got, he's got, you know, new stuff and old stuff, and he doesn't normally, I don't see him get a lot of, of the older games, the classic games he gets in, he doesn't get them in quite free, very frequently. But uh, this time I was in there, I was looking at stuff, and I'm, I noticed that in the display case, he had a couple Lynx games that had been sitting there. And when he got them in, <laughs> probably like a, a year ago, the labels were perfect on them. And now they're all like f- faded from the sun. And I was just saying, oh look at your Li- Linux, and uh, Lynx, your Linux, Lynx games, the labels are all faded. Matter of fact. It's a it's a display cabinet, and all the there's like Game Boy games and stuff like that. And They're just sitting on the shelf, and so a lot of them are faded, um, from just sitting in the sun. And uh, I mean, there's not much he could do about it. I mean, what he I mean, he doesn't care. You know, he's not one of the people that cares about that. What he could do is get the uh, uh, they sell kind of like a, kinda like a uh, uh, clear plastic they could put on the window. You can put on the windows that block UV light it's just like you know it's just like a sticks like uh, color form and uh, you put that up and that would stop him from fading but uh I, I don't know if that's something he cares to spend his money on i mean it's not like it's super expensive but uh that would be one thing he could do but you know he's, i don't think he's going to do that or he could probably put it on the display case too um that probably might be easier but at least putting it on the window would block all the uv light coming in um, a store because it's just a it's a really old store it's just got the old plate glass windows in there um you know single pane you know uh glass um and it's in a historical district so you can't like put anything weird up but i'm sure you can put that stuff up no one would even notice it once he puts it up uh you just it's easy you just roll you just put it up with a squeegee and some water and then you trim it with a razor blade um but uh so he said, Oh, you you you're looking for Lynx games? And I and I said, Well, what do you got? You got other ones? He said, Yeah, I got the other ones. And he pulled out this stack of uh Lynx games that he hadn't even priced yet. And uh there's a whole bunch of titles I'd never even seen. because uh back in the day, I mean there's I they didn't really review the Lynx games very often um in like even in EGM because there wasn't a lot of interest to them. I don't know if that Atari just didn't even spend the time to send the games to the magazines or what, what the deal was um, matter of fact I should ask uh, I should ask uh, Terry um, Terry Trickbang who, who actually worked for EGM why there's so few links reviews but, uh, but anyway so I saw a bunch of games I didn't even know existed for example um, APB um, Robotron 2084 um, Elvira and the Party Monsters Pinball um, I mean I knew there was G-Lock G-Lock was one of the ones that was there uh, Viking Child I think was one of them uh, Dracula, the undead. Uh, what else was there? Uh, I'm just trying to remember all the all the games that were there. Um, oh, there was uh, uh, Stun Runner. Uh, there was Road Blasters. A bunch of you know these were all Atari games, uh, but there's a bunch of other game, Midway games too. Xenophobe, Zybots um what else was there uh flying aces or something like that uh, but anyways i i took a i took a photo of them and it's on my google plus if you uh, uh want to see it um but uh yeah so there's uh, there's all these games there and you know he wanted like eight bucks a game he hadn't even priced them yet and i figured well a few of those that's probably a pretty good deal and uh, there's some that I really wanted. I didn't want to price them because I'm sure if he priced them, they'd probably be like along the lines of like, you know, some might be like 20 bucks. So I'm like, yeah, I'll take some. So I, I wanted to grab, I really wanted to grab all of them uh, just because I didn't have one of the games there. But that would have gotten expensive because there was probably like, let's see, uh, like more than 15 games there. Um, but I, I ended up grabbing uh, Robotron and Stun Runner and Elvira and the Party Monsters. And did I grab another one? I grabbed one other game, I'm pretty sure. I think I got four games. Um, and really looking forward to uh, actually playing them. i haven't had a chance to actually, you know, put them in the links and, and play them. And But I'm also, I, I might go back for a few others. I, I definitely want the APB because that that game, um, while it's kind of like, if, if you look at it, it's like playing the old uh, Grand Theft Auto and the way it plays but except for you're playing as a cop. Um, But the audio in it for the Lynx is just phenomenal. I mean, it's got like samples, voice samples and everything in it. Um, It's really, it's great. Um, It's kind of like along the lines of how good California Games was on the Lynx. I mean, the display, the thing about the Lynx more than anything else. I mean, it had a nice, bright, colorful display and the controls were decent on it. Um, The the, the system was huge. Because I have two of the original ones, I don't have the the smaller revised version of the game system. But the, you know, what I mean, it was definitely not a uh, game you put in your pocket. It was so big. It was so. I mean, it's like the biggest portable system I've ever seen. Um, but it was cool how you could hold it vertically or horizontally, and the buttons had buttons on top and the bottom, so you could hold it left-handed or right-handed, and you could press the button to flip the screen. That was just a really um, interesting thought to it, although. I don't know how many people really care to have the D-pad on the right, um, um, so it doesn't really, it doesn't make sense for that, but it, I mean, since you're doing it anyways to make it so you can hold it vertically, um, it's it's really cool. The only thing I wish about holding it vertically was that, um, you know, it's still not perfect in your hand. The, the D-pad isn't, like, the d pad's directly in the center, and on the bigger system, it's still, it's pretty far away from the from your the, you know the palm of your hand so it, you're kind of stretching and then, and the game so system so big you're like holding your one hand down by your groin and your other hand up by your top of your head <laughs> and so it's this huge it's so huge and your arms get tired doing that I really need to play the I need to play one of the uh, revised versions I wonder how that plays with it because it's smaller it's a lot smaller it's probably half the size of the of the original one but still the screens a safe size but you know the things the Lynx had going for it were definitely the the the, the control layout and the um, and the and the, the screen uh, orientation change, which would've been great if they actually made like some vertical sh- vertical games for it. I mean, there was kind of like a total lack of vertical games for it. And the only ones, the only one I could think of is Klax. and that came out pretty good. It looked a lot like the arcade. Um, but the resolution on the display was like another problem. Is it was such a low res screen. Um, it was just, you know, like, the blocks were like a 16th, <laughs> I don't know, 16th, like a 32nd of an inch in size those pixels. And it would have been way better if they were, um, if it were just a higher res screen. That would have been a, a much better, um, I think it would have done, probably done better if they made it smaller and had a higher res screen on it. But again, it was Atari, so, um, I don't know, you know, by then Atari had a pretty bad rap, um, uh or rep, depending however you say it. Um, but uh, yeah so those those games are good because the, the ones I have right now are, are kind of uh, they're not all that great And the only good game on the links that I have is like stun runner that's the um, that's one I hence one I have now but um, is the California games I mean the other ones are like uh, you know clacks is okay it's not Tetris um, I mean the sound effects on it are really good in fact you know links has really good sound um, but uh, like, what else has got a... I mean, Gauntlet is okay, except for the fact that you're just... It's just your health goes down, and... Um, what else is there? Ninja Gaiden is is the arcade version, not nearly as good as the NES version. Um, that's another subject to talk about. well will talk about NES games, and which ones are better than the arcades. Um, but... Ugh... Just trying to think of the other games that are that I have for it, but the ones I picked up, I'm really excited to play. I love Stun Runner. Stun is a great game. My wife loves Stun Runner, and uh, if I didn't, I mean, I, I was tempted back when I first started collecting to find a Stun Runner. And there's been the op- I've had the opportunity to buy one a few times, and I didn't get it just because, uh, it's I think it's a medium res monitor, but and also it's it's kind of big. If it, if it were an upright Stun Runner, might get it, but then it's like that's kind of like I don't know. Playing, playing the sit-down Stunrunner is the fun one to play. Um, but it does, it takes up a lot of space. Um, but my wife is really good at Stunrunner, and that's kind of fun to watch her play that. Um, and it's got a really cool score system to it, too. So, but the, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing the arcade, I mean, the, the Lynx version of Stunrunner. I've looked at it on YouTube, I haven't played it yet, but it looks almost identical to the, uh, to the, um, the arcade version and I think that the links I'm not sure but I think the links is a 16-bit system maybe it's 8-bit I don't know but you know the graphics on the link are links are pretty good um they're no I mean they're nowhere near like a uh super nintendo or something like that but it's actually really decent I mean like in particular like stun run and uh what's the other those ones that are kind of like and I think hard driving came out for it too I think that those are actually pretty good um conversions like the the poly, the ones that have like you know primitive polygons in them. I don't know if the Sunrunner has polygons in it or not, but um, but there's that one. Uh, I think it's Steel Gunner with the helicopter one. That one that one looks a little little primitive compared to the arcade version. It doesn't look as good from what I was looking at of it. And Elvira and the Party Monsters. I mean, it says it's like pinball something on the on the label, but the gate, the pinball game in it is Elvira and the Party Monsters. And uh, I'm really excited to play that one. And I'm wondering if it's got sound samples in it from the game. So that will be really exciting to play that one. Um, and I'm wondering if it's vertical orientation because that would be so awesome. Because on that game, a pinball game, you could just use the top buttons to play it. So you don't need to use the D-pad because it's got the top one and two buttons. And if, if they do it, if they did it right, you could just hold that vertically. Although I think it's set up horizontal. But it would have been really cool if they set it up in a vertical orientation. Um, I think you could just press the rotate button on a lot of games and it will rotate it. Um, but again, the ori- it depends. I don't think you could do it on like Ninja Gaiden, but like Gauntlet, you could change the orientation. And um, I don't think you do a Clax. It's, it's it's kind of a weird thing. But yeah, so that's uh, that's the thing with the links. it's just it's, you know, a few things about it that would make it better. Um, the, uh, you know, when you compare it to like the uh, Turbo Express, which is essentially a Turbo, I mean, it is, it's a Turbo Graphics 16 crammed into a case slightly larger than a Game Boy, and the original Game Boy with a color display that at the time was just uh, phenomenal. Um, it's just, it's amazing the, the, the difference between game systems back then. And, you know, when it comes down to it, really, if, if you had the money to spend, the Turbo was the one to get. That was like just it was the best. It just it was it was so expensive. I think it was three hundred dollars back then. You know, versus the Game Boy, which like was like, like eighty nine, if I remember correctly, or one twenty. Um, I can't remember what the the price was when it came out. It was something between eighty nine and one hundred twenty dollars. And uh, but the games on the Game Boy were excellent, and the games on the Turbo were really good too. Uh, the games of the Game Gear kind of were uh, okay, and the Lynx games. I haven't played enough of them to really give it a good, a, good uh, opinion of them. Um, the cool thing about the Lynx, though, is that it wasn't plagued with the, you know, the, the games that were, conver- you know, co- conversions from the current gen of games when they were out. Like, I, don't think, I don't think Mortal Kombat came out on it. Um, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see it. I mean, at least the sound would be good on it. Um, the graphics would have looked horrendous. I bet you Pit Fighter though came for it. I really need to look into Atari Lynx games because I think I'm missing out on some really decent games. I mean, if you like games from the arcades, you know, all that you know, like Pit Fighter and Road Blasters and Stun Runner and Clacks and um, you know some of those midway games like RoaTron and uh, Xenophobe and uh, all those games. I really want to. I mean, I should probably I should go back and get Xenophobe. I should get zybots and i should get um apb and i really (laughs) want that dracula looks really good i mean it's kind of like shadowgate it's one of those ones you kind of it's a kind of like a point and click game um not i only saw a little bit of a youtube video on it while i was in the store i was uh you know i just loaded up my phone to look at i was like man this game looks pretty good um you know for the atari i mean it just really looks really good uh but the gameplay could be, I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of, like, if you ever seen that game Full Throttle that Arts had made. I mean, I don't think it has, you know, you know full motion video uh, in it like like Full Throttle would have, like had the cutscenes. Um, but it looks like it kind of plays like that. Obviously, you don't have a mouse cursor. You move the guy around by controlling the D-pad. But it, it's kind of like that. You go over and you open a dresser. You check a thing. You check that stuff, which is a lot like Shadowgate. Um, except for Shadowgate, you don't see your character on screen, you just, you have a cursor, and you click on things to take stuff, and I love playing that game on the NES. Um, it's, yeah, it's got such suspense to it when you're playing it, and I think I'll talk about that. Uh, maybe I'll, if I remember this afternoon, I'll talk about Shadowgate, because it, that was a really good game, um, and it seems like a lot of Sunsoft, uh, Kemco, or, you know, was it Kemco? Whatever. But a lot of their games are really good. So if I remember this afternoon, I'm going to talk about that. But I'm going to uh, end the podcast for the morning now. Um, I'm pretty much at work. And uh, you guys uh, hang on, and I'll be right back for the afternoon. Welcome back, everybody, to the afternoon portion of the Monday, uh, September 24th podcast. All right. I've been thinking about what I'm going to talk about. And. uh, I remembered from this morning that I was talking a little bit about Shadowgate and uh, how it was a really awesome game. Uh, Kind of a surprise. I I don't know why I even got it. It must have been a Nintendo Power or EGM. Um, But the basic premise is um, you have your... If I I don't confuse it with the immortal, um, I believe that you're a, a magician's apprentice. Are you? Oh, so I'm totally confusing it with the immortal. Um, but anyways, you're you know you you you're outside this cat. Basic premise: you're outside this castle. You gotta go inside, and either rescue somebody or something like that. You just that's the that's the premise. And uh, so you start outside. You find a key inside a rock, and, and basically the way the game is is that you have a little cursor, a hand cursor on screen, and you can take things. You can. Um, take things, you can put things, and you can look at things, you can move th- items, uh, you know, that's your, your you have, like, essentially actions that you can do, um, and uh, open, open and close and stuff like that, and uh, so in, in the game, you know, you work your way through and it, it's got, essentially, it's just, you go from room to room, you have one view in the room, um, you can't even turn around it's not like you can turn around and see the other walls. You just see one room, and it's you see one room, each room from one perspective, um, and the, some of the basic elements to it are like torches. You get it. You start out with a torch in the beginning, and there'll be torches on the wall. And uh, as you're playing, your torch will slowly burn down, and it, it will go out. And when it goes out, um, you'll slip, you'll fall, and you'll die. That's and that's game over. Um, so you always want to make sure that you watch your torch it's one of the parts portions of the game and it kind of keeps a pressure on you you can't just sit in a room forever and uh and just make your decision about what you're going to do there's no pause to the game uh so you know you start it up and i mean if you want you can save and then and then you can quit but the thing about this game this is one of those games where you can get yourself into trouble and save after doing something bad and essentially you know you'll have to start over from the beginning again um so it's like a puzzle game think of like mist but older um so you know you go through and there's all these kind of traps and the dialogue in the game is really good it's it's um you know it's very creepy but yet like things are brightly lit but you just the, the artwork and the way it's drawn are just fantastic it's got just such great artwork for an nes game and um i mean not from the perspective of using lots of colors or anything like that but just the the way it's drawn, just really good artwork, uh, for the rooms, you have, the rooms only take up, like, maybe a, a quarter, oh, the word, quarter of the screen, and, uh, the rest of it, you've got your, um, actions, your inventory, and then your text doc, text box below it, and, uh, I, I beat the game, but darned if I remember exactly what happens, uh, I remember you, you're you fighting something, you go into some room, it's like a big room with like a can canyon underneath and stuff, and uh, uh, there's like a, I think a dragon or something, I can't remember, and the way you defeat it is to, um, you have like this torch, no, <laughs> I can't even remember, uh, besides I don't want to ruin the game for you, um, but uh, I definitely beat it at least once. Uh, but it's one of those games you have to take, you really almost should take notes. Um, you know, of course you can just look at a game pack and just grab this, do this, you know, and just essentially you've just had the game solved for you, Someone else, you're just playing somebody else's game by doing that. Um, it's like, you know, playing chess and using some, you know, uh, setting both players to computer or something, you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's some really cool things, like, and, and it's always kind of, you always, re, you know, it's, it's, you don't want to meet an untimely demise, because the dialogue for, like, the way it's written for when you die, it's always, like, some really bad way. You know, even when you slip and fall in the dark, it's bad. Um, uh, and there's some, you know, kind of just disturbing things, like, there's some potion vials, and you drink one of them, and something crazy happens to you, um, and you, it never is resolved. I mean, it's just, it just you've just essentially you know, done something to yourself by drinking that potion. Um so it's uh it's a great game. It's um K- Kinko is K K E M C O or something like that is the name of the manufacturer and uh and I think it's Sunsoft too. I uh, I can't remember 100%, but between those two companies, there's some really good NES games. I'm going to I'm going to talk about just a couple of them real quickly because I want to stick more to the subject of, like, Shadowgate. But um, one of the games... I mean, oh, and Shadowgate was also released on the Game Boy Color, I believe it was, um, much, much later. Um, and uh, you can play it on that. I mean, I, I like the NES version. I have not played the Game Boy Color, but, you know, it's going to be lower res, slightly. Um, but I'm sure it's fine. Um, but a game that's completely surprised me uh, back when I was, uh, you know, a teenager, or so my younger brother had a Game Boy, regular Game Boy, and uh, he actually picked out some really good games for it. When he was, I me mean, wasn't checking reviews or anything like that. He just, he just kind of got lucky, or I don't know what it was. But um, one of the games that he got was Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle. Now, I think that the video game nerd actually, in one of his videos, kind of knocks it a little bit i know he knocks some of the bugs bunny games some of the looney tunes games but i actually like the any the game boy just the regular game boy crazy castle um it's it's so simple i mean essentially you just got this you know you have rooms and they have doors and there's like platforms and there's items on this all around and there's carrots and basically to complete a stage you have to just eat all the carrots um your Bugs Bunny, and then you've got all the other characters that are in there who are trying to stop you. And if you walk into them you'll die. So you got like Sylvester, you got Yosemite Sam, you've got uh uh Wily e. Coyote and Daffy Duck. Um, I don't know if I think Elmer Fudd's in it too. Um so basically you just walk around and you can't jump. You just walk around to the ground. So um it's kind of like, it's it's like a puzzle platformer. So you can get yourself in a position where you can't escape and they're just gonna walk into you and you just, you're just you just gonna die. Um, but there's carrots all over. You go, now the way you get from platform to platform since you can't jump. I guess you, I don't know if you even call it a platformer, but it is, it has got platforms. So um, there's ladder uh, staircases. And so you see a door with stairs going up and a door with stairs going down. And you go up the stairs and you kind of do this cool spiral thing and you kind of come up. The animation for it's great. Um, come up on the upper level you know when you go up and down essentially you want to like trap the guys or make your way around them um, there's like items you can see so there's items on the ground you either walk into and pick them up or you can kick them um, so some of the items you can pick up like one obviously is the carrot another one is the uh, punching uh, boxing glove um, I, I don't know if there's any other ones you can pick up then there's other ones that are like a bucket uh, a safe um, a boulder something else uh, just some big ob- heavy objects an anvil and uh, they'll be sitting on the platform and if you see one of the bad guys walking along you can push it off the edge and it'll drop on them that's the basic premise for that now uh, the boxing glove um, when you're walking towards them and if they're in your way you can press the button and it will send the boxing glove, fl- the B button and it'll come flying out if it misses them it'll bounce off the it'll hit the wall and drop straight down you can pick it up again but once it hits them it disappears um, but it takes the enemy with, with them. So, you know, it's always good to have... You can only carry one boxing glove at a time. It's always good to have one on you, but there's some levels that just don't have them. And uh, But there's times where you're going to need to use it. So it's kind of like... Imagine Lemmings. If you ever played Lemmings, but you control your Lemming, which is Bugs Bunny, because you walk off the ledges and you can't jump. And, uh, you know, and you kind of got to get your Bugs Bunny to the end, which is getting the carrot. So it's a really good game. Um, there's a Crazy Castle for the NES, and I bought that used at one point, and it's it's pretty good. It's like the same thing, but it's funny thing is, is like with the colors, uh, I, it's not actually quite. It doesn't. It's not as fun as playing the original. Not, it's not the original. They both came out at the same time, but it's not as fun to me as playing the actual Game Boy version, which is a lot of fun. And there was sequels to it, and I, I think I played some of those emulators, and they're okay. Um, but yeah, so I, I I do I like Crazy Castle quite a bit. Um, some of the so some of the other games that they make obviously like the Sun Sunsoft, I believe that, see it's Kintco and Sunsoft, I think are separate but the, those are two of the really good games but let me go on to other things I'm going to talk about um, some more of the kind of Shadowgate kind of games um, now another game that I think of when I think of Shadowgate is the Mortal and it doesn't play the same way but the premise is the same you're you're a magician um, you're a magician yourself and you're uh, master because you're like an apprentice to this other one. Now you're already an old guy as it is, but like you're, you're, I guess, um, maybe it's your master or your teacher is much later. It's not like he's still teaching you things or whatever. I don't know, but essentially he's disappeared into the castle and you find his ring or something or the, you know, it's like this is basic premise and you've got to go find, save him. And, uh, this one is like an isometric, um, view, but it, it kind of goes opposite of what you think of like Zaxxon. But it's in a, it's a pretty cool isometric view. Like where Zaxxon is kind of tilted forward and to the the right 90 degrees. Um, The Immortal is forward and to the left. Um, uh, Not 40, I guess 45 degrees. Um, And uh, you, now I played this originally on the Sega Genesis. It was a friend of mine's, I borrowed it from him. It's one of EA's, I think, you know, back in that day, it's one of EA's really good games. EA had some, you know, stinkers but it had some really good games. Mute League Football is one of them. Um, the Immortal is another one. I, I'm not really sure where to put Sword of Sedan. Um, that's the game I have, um, and I'm gonna talk about that after the Immortal. But, so in the Immortal, it's really cool. You walk around, it's kind of got a grid underneath it. You're walking through these dungeons. The lighting's really good. The graphics are excellent. Even on the NES version, it looks pretty good considering that it's on a NES, but um, it's kind of downgraded in the way it looks and so if you're gonna really play the immortal you want to play that on the Genesis and I think it was on the Super Nintendo as well but uh, I didn't buy it you know it was just my friend's game and I borrowed it from him and uh, it's actually really good um, It, but it's hard because it's basically you, the rooms are puzzles it's an action game you don't have a lot of lives in the game and uh, it's you gotta get you gotta be careful because there's so many traps you gotta some of them are just booby traps and there's no way to know that they're there until you actually trigger them so there's that of course there's that little bit of like you know when you hit a booby trap especially if you've been playing for a long time and some of them are just hard not to trigger because you got to walk some line or you gotta you, you like you gotta know oh there's spikes that come out of the floor but they're like here and here and i gotta carefully walk you know through the spiked area without stepping on the triggers for it. So there's a lot of things like that. And what's really cool is the graphics, as I said again, but um, it has, the cool thing about it is it actually has two modes of graphics display. So you'll see, you'll be walking around and you'll see like the enemies, like a troll or a goblin or whatever. And uh, you'll come in a room and they might say something, yell across the room to you or you'll overhear them. And you'll see like like a shot of their face or their dialogue underneath it. And then you'll see them walking around the room or just standing, guarding a door or something. And once you walk to them and you actually get within, like, a certain distance of them, the game switches to battle mode. And essentially the screen is all black except for your character and the enemy character. And uh, you'll have your, your you know, obviously magician, but your primary weapon is a sword. And you fight with your sword. Um, so... And the basic controls are: you press left, you dodge left; you press right, you dodge right; um, you hold. Now I don't. You dodge? I guess. Um, I think the A button is to. You hold A and press left to dodge left, or you just press left. I can't remember, to be honest with you. But then you hold the B button down to attack. But pressing the B button directly doesn't do anything. You press the B button and you press left to swing your sword from the right to the left, and then. If you press it from the press it to the uh, from the to the right, it goes from the left to the right. Um, and so, when you're battling somebody, the best attack is to press left, then right, then left, then right, then left, then right to slash them back and forth. Um, oh, the, yeah, you got your you got your dodge. And uh, so you got It's kind of like Punch Out. So you, you're fighting him. And you gotta like kind of like they'll attack, you dodge, and then they're left open for a second. And then you want to swing from the proper direction. Like if you dodge left, then you want to press right and hold your B button. You're gonna swing from the left to the right, and then you could probably get a couple hits in. And then they might block you, or they might see the signal they're gonna attack. So then you gotta dodge them again. Um, and then once you hit them enough times, you do like a automatic finishing move on your last um, attack. And like for example, like a, you'll hit them with, on the head with your Saber, not your saber, your um, your magic wand, which is in your other hand, and then the head will just, ex- just balloon up and explode, or you'll hit him over the head with your sword right down, and you slice him right down the middle in <laughs> half. Um, really cool animations for it. It's really awesome, and there's a, you know, bunch of different ways the character could die. Um, uh, yeah, that, that part's pretty, that's pretty cool. I like that spot, that part of the game. And I got pretty darn far, but it's one of those games I have not played in so long um, that I can't remember how far I got in it, and whether I beat it. But I'm thinking that next time in a, in a used game shop, I'm going to see if I can find the Immortal. It, it's one of those games, if I saw it, I would definitely pick it up. But the problem is, is that um, it's those EA games for the Genesis. And the EA games have those little, you know, those little yellow tabs on the edge, and they're skinnier and taller. And it's like the first signal for a sports game, because um, most of those EA games, are those crappy sports games, like Madden, whatever Madden, whatever Madden, whatever Madden, whatever. And, uh, uh, but there's a few in there that are actually, you know, decent EA games. For example, The Immortal and Sword of Sedan. Um, What are some of the other ones? I just can't think of them off the top of my head. But, yeah, so I want to get The Immortal again. Um, I mean, it was never mine in the first place. Now, I have Sword of Sudan, and that game I bought uh, because of the graphics in it. And uh, this was back when uh, it was obviously had to be in EGM. I don't know if I read a review or if I saw just screenshots of it. I really want to go back and look at my old EGM magazines and see all the references to Sword of Sedan and what they reviewed it for, you know, what they said the review on it was. Um, because the graphics are phenomenal in Sword of Sedan. Your character is gigantic. Um, and it looks really good if you were to stop it at any point in time. Um, but the gameplay itself is a little primitive and your character animations are, you know, a little bit, are, are, you probably have half the animation, if you were to do the, make a game, and you had frames of animation for it, it's like they took out every other one. It's not as bad as uh, Double Dragon 3 in the arcade, not the NES, because, like, if you ever played Double Dragon 3 arcade, it, you, literally, your character has two frames of walking animation, and it looks like hell, and not only does it have two frames of walking animation but you make huge steps with each direction press i don't know who made that i don't know who programmed that or horrid game the nes version is like a bajillion times better and i'm going to talk about nes games in a moment but so yeah so uh sword of sedan is really cool it's hard because you kind of have to do you have these things that you have potions um, that you collect and it, it's kind of like Golden Axe in the way you have potions, except for in Golden Axe you just use them. In um, this one, you mix your potions, you mix, or mix a red potion with a green potion, what does that make? Meanwhile, while you're mixing them, the game action doesn't stop, so you gotta you gotta switch the menu, like it's not even a, a sub-menu, but it's right like a lower screen area, lower third of the screen, or lower whatever portion of the screen, and you can select your potions, mix them, and then drink them. Um, or you, oh man, I gotta play that game again. It's been so long. But what uh, it, the character looks really good. The animation's are a little primitive. The controls are a little uh, dodgy, um, and and you kind of, it's it's pretty hard. It's actually a hard game. And I got pretty far in it. But then you get to a certain point. There's no, no it's the kind of game that you really almost want to have a save it because because you put so much effort into it and you beat a level and then you get to a certain, then you die, and then you're, they get to start all over again. And it's one of those games that you're like, oh, gosh, I don't want to do that level again. Um, whereas, you know, other games, you can just, oh, i play, it doesn't matter. You're going to play another level again, it doesn't bother you. Um, but well, I think what attracted me to the game was the fact that it reminded me of, uh, of, uh, Taito's Gladiator, or Rastan. Um, you know, big characters, big sword, um, just looked really good it doesn't play quite like that i mean you hit your hit the characters that just kind of flinch they go "Uh, uh, 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 uh," you know it's not um and that's probably the thing one of the things that annoyed me about the game and so and a lot of time you spend just kind of kneeling and just jabbing your forward your sword straight forward so you're just "Uh, uh, uh, oh and poke jabbing them in the knees and so um whereas like rastan when you swing your sword the enemy just you know, most of the enemies, are killed in one shot. And it's very rewarding to hit them and they're like and they just kind of make this sound and your sword goes Every time you swing it, it makes this cool sword sound. Like, if you ever played the uh, um, Pinball Machine Swords of Fury, I got to play one back in in, uh, April, I think it was, no, May. Right around that time. And I got to play Swords of Fury. That game is a lot of fun because whenever you hit the flippers, um, it actually, the game goes whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. it makes an awesome sword sound. Um, uh, and that's what I like about Rastan, um, it makes a really cool sound. Um, when you're playing, uh, Sword of Sedan, your sword maybe makes a sound, I doubt it, but you're just kind of doing this, you just, I'm, I'm having flashbacks just as I'm talking about this. You, you're just kind of kneeling and you're poking them. Or if you swing standing up, you're like way more vulnerable. Cause there's always something flying at you. Um, and, uh, so you, you know, you, you, you like, stab them uh, 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 you know, it, it just kind of makes this, uh, 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 when you hit the enemy. And I think it just, like, does, like, a little, or whatever crappy sound that they have for the, for the sword. Um, and, uh, the other thing is that when you jump in the game, it's, it's kind of annoying because it just has this kind of, like, you have a wait before you jump, like, your character doesn't, uh, and it kind of doesn't jump and goes flying in a direction and you, um, you have like no, con- you know, it's funny to say this, but it's one of those games that feels like you should have control over your jump, you know, like, cause your character jumps and you just jump, end up jumping in a pit when you meant to jump over something or jump, um, you know, uh, jump to, from a platform to another. So it's not the best game for jumping. Whereas like when you play Rat Stand and you jump, your character goes in a certain direction um, and you can't go back the other way but you can turn around swing the other way or you can you know downward thrust um, but even upward thrust too when you jump up but in this game it's just you feel like you're like you don't want to jump because it's such a bad jump and you jump so far so it's like you don't know how far you're really going to go it's like you don't get a feeling of how far you're going to jump and the other thing is that when you're playing your character is always facing to the right and then to attack when an enemy comes behind you, you don't press left. You press a button down, like you press A hold A or whatever button it is, and you press left. And then your character does a, a long turn animation and meanwhile you're getting hit. And then you swing, you know, to face the other you face the other way, and I guess swing and sh- hit the enemy the other way. And you can't if I recall correctly, you can't turn around when you're kneeling. So you gotta stand up, hold the button to turn around, and you gotta you know, it takes a while you get you can get hit while you're turning around so it's uh it's a hard ass game um just because of those kind of things it would be much better if you just oh i'm going to press left i'm going to turn around and face the other way but your character doesn't do that your character is always kind of like walking in this uh not a uh on guard position it's like karateka if you ever played that now karateka is kind of gets around that because in karateka and maybe that's was that an ea game it might have been electronic stars game no, it's border-bound. That was actually border-bound, um, if I remember correctly. But in Karatika, your character can switch modes from a kind of like a running mode to an attack mode. And uh, and if you're just running, an, an enemy can kill you with one hit. Um, but in, but you want to stop before you get to a certain point and switch to your on-guard position. Um, and But in this game, it, you're just always in this on-guard position where you're just kind of not inching like in Karatika, but it sure feels darn slow. Um, So it's a good game, but it's a sucky game at the same time. Yeah. What was I saying about NES games? Oh, okay, yeah, I remember now. NES games. I want to talk about how some arcade games for the NES... Actually, I'm going to stop now because I'm going to... Just in case I lose this. Okay, so I'm back. NES games. Some NES games are actually superior to their arcade versions, and I'm gonna just kind of talk about a few of those. Ninja Gaiden. Um, interestingly enough, uh, the arcade version Ninja Gaiden is okay. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like Double Dragon, um, and it's okay if you were just playing you compare compared to Double Dragon you say this is a pretty good game you know it's alright it's like Double Dragon you know and you're a ninja and uh, you can you know jump up and grab things and some of the characters are the same characters from the NES version but not much when they brought Ninja Gaiden to the NES they must have seen that the game probably was not uh, I don't know they must have thought that either they couldn't do it um, you know this it wouldn't look very good on the NES or they thought like, you know, this isn't gonna, no one's gonna wanna play this game for very long. It's not, it's just a, it's just a beat em up. And so they decided to make a wholly different game. And it, it is, and maybe they just in the process of when they were programming it, they, you know, they started making it. And this happens a lot when you're programming something, it's like, well, I just kind of programmed this thing up to start out and it actually started to diverge from that point. I don't know the story behind it. I'd be so interested to know you know, to be there when they just started to program that game because it's one of my favorite NES games. Um, it is compared to the arcade version where your character has like a funny jump and they punch and it, the, the attacks are not very direct and it's, you know, a classic beat-em-up. You're punching people, punching people and then they'll just come up and they'll attack you and it just kind of takes turns almost. like You could press that punch button as hard as you want and um, they're going to get an attack in on you. Um, Whereas like in Ninja, Ga- Ninja Gaiden for the NES, you have a sword. Your sword, almost every enemy is killed with one hit, except for bosses. And you can run through a level, and if you, once you learn it, you've got it down, and it feel, you feel like you're pretty badass playing Ninja Gaiden. Um, you know, people complain about the, the hawks or the bats flying and, you know, coming at you, and they keep respawning. Um, it's all about playing with the edges of the screen. Um, You know, there's an enemy in Ninja Gaiden will spawn, like flying enemies, that respawn over and over again. If you're standing at a certain point, and you kill them, they'll just come back again. You need to actually progress forward to stop them from spawning. So, like for example, you're on let's say a, a platform, like a pole or something, you're standing on it, and this bat comes flying out at you, and you hit it with your sword, um, as soon as you kill it, another bat will come right back out again. You're back in the same position. So what you want to do, is either you want to jump over it if you can, because it kind of follows like a wave function, like sine wave or something. Um, you want to either jump over it, time it so you can jump over it, or you want to hit it, and then jump at the moment that it, um, that it goes, you know, jump, jump at the moment before it respawns, and move forward, and then it'll stop it from spawning. Or it will spawn and go underneath you or you kind of got to learn exactly with insert each place you're playing um, other places you want to um, let's say it's coming at you from the platform and if you kill it it'll spawn immediately you can't jump because it'll be in your way when you want to jump so what you got to do is rather than kill it you want to jump over it and you can't jump directly over you kind of got to jump left a little bit and then it'll kind of come underneath you and then you want to jump right press right so it kind of you arc over it and then you land on the platform and now you've got that time period before the the bat flies off the screen you get another half a screen that you have time to jump so then you want to execute your jump in that time where it's still flying behind you and you want to do it quickly because if you don't do it quickly it will go off the screen and another one will come right back out again so that's kind of like you know you got to learn those tricks where's the trigger and you can even play with it. You can like be playing the game and you kill the bat, right? And then you see, okay, at this when I get to this certain position, that's when the bats start spawning. So you know at that point where it's going to happen, and you kind of get used to it. And that's the cool thing about Ninja Guys is you can you can you know everything is predictable in it. Um, everything attacks in a certain pattern. Um, once you learn it and you've got it down, you're really good at it. Um, another game that is another exact example of that is Contra. Um, the arcade Contra, it's okay. The, the the graphics on it are, I would say some people think it's better, because you have more colors, but they, they don't look as good as the NES version, and the gameplay, the game is actually in a, the monitor is in a vertical orientation, and it doesn't rend, well lend itself as well as the horizontal of playing it on the NES, um, and I just actually like the, the NES version of Contra better now I wouldn't say there's a, a marked difference um, in Contra for the NES from the arcade they're actually you know similar games although they're completely different in other ways um, they're not you know it's not like they tried to just copy the game exactly they actually changed it somewhat um, you know levels are designed differently the colors are different the characters are different um, so it is definitely a, a different enough game. Um, you know, other games like, you know, other Konami game like uh, Life Force, the arcade version is almost the same. Uh, it's like a direct copy of the game. The only difference being is that, you know, the color depth and, and that your weapons are uh, assigned more like in the, in Life Force on the NES, it's just like Gradius, the way you do your weapons. You got the weapons bar, but in the arcade version, each individual weapon has a different icon. You pick it up, and you get that particular weapon, um, which actually makes it a little bit easier. Because in if you're playing a Gradius style, it's a pain in the ass to get the the options. Um, whereas in Life Force, they're just all over the place. So I mean, not Gradius, but NES Gradius, NES Life Force is harder than uh, arcade Life Force. Um, other games that are better than the arcade version. Another one is a perfect example is Double Dragon 3. The Double Dragon 3 for the arcade is just a piece of crap. Um, it's just so bad. It's just really horrible. Now, that said, Double Dragon 3 for the NES is got its bad aspects too. One, it is freaking hard. Um, just because you don't get... you have no, free, no extra men in the game. And you only have a little bit of life. Um, you fall in a pit, it's game over for the guy. Um, you do have your... when you first start out, you're only playing as Billy. And, uh, once you get to a certain point, you can, uh, you know, you, once you beat the boss, a certain boss, that boss becomes, goes, joins your side and becomes, uh, no longer an enemy, but one, one of your allies. And you can select them through the game, so it makes, as you play the game, it's one of those games that gets easier the further you go because you have extra characters now <laughs> that said when they die they're gone and they don't come back um, but uh, the cool thing is you, so you can switch them at any time so you're playing a level and your and Billy's life gets down really low well you can switch to chin or you can switch to uh, let's see what's the ninjas name Hanzo I think it's Hanzo was the ninja's name. Man, I can't remember. I remember this stuff. I've played this game in years. Um, and then there's another. I think there's another character. Um, I can't think of all of them. And it's it's actually one of the games I beat. I can't believe I actually beat this game because it's so freaking hard. Because, but especially the end, the end boss part. It's it's pretty unfair. Um, but um, it's one of those ones where if you get in the right position, you can keep hitting the enemy. Um, Annoying thing is that in this game, um, you could try fighting them by, you know, punching them. And that's kind of like, you, th- you kind of get the feeling like, okay, well, I'm supposed to punch them and kick them. But really, the only, the most effective attack is to do the jumping, spinning kick. And, uh, or do the flying knee kick, the flying knee attack. Or you uh, jump up in the air and you, you kind of do this flip kick, this flip jump, and you grab them by the hair and you throw them. And that does some damage not as much as the 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 flying knee attack and the uh, spinning jump kick do much more i think the flying knee does does the most but that one is the harder one to to actually execute because you have to time it just right that said as well if you have a turbo controller you can just set the a and b both to full rapid fire and then just go around and just doing flying knee left and right and if you don't if you don't press a direction to do the spinning, spinning uh, kick. So basically, when you're playing Double Dragon Three, um, while you should be going around and punching and kicking, it, you're open to so much more damage. So essentially, what I, I do is I end up just going around, flying knee, flying knee, flying knee, flying knee, flying knee, spinning kick, spinning kick, spinning kick, spinning kick, spinning kick, spinning kick. You know, the enemy comes toward me, spinning kick, jump, jump over him and grab him by the hair, throw him. You know, it, it's just that's pretty much what it is. You never do, you never punch him you punch them, you're gonna die (laughs) so uh, that's I mean that's the basic premise of the game it's like you almost feel like uh, it they're cheating like they should have the the spinning kick the flying knee made the game kind of easier but they made the game harder to make up for that where what they should have done is made the spinning kick of the flying knee do less damage and and make the characters attacking you do less damage to balance it out a little bit better. Just that little bit would make it so that the game was more fun. So you're not just going around doing spinning kicks all the time. And you actually attack the enemy and punch them and stuff. You have a little more fun. And the enemies are just nonstop relentless. I mean especially Hanzo's in stage. The ninjas just keep coming and coming and coming. But once you get Hanzo and you got the ninja, that's pretty badass because you got a sword and that's pretty cool. I was that's I actually, you know that's one of the things I liked about the game. And the graphics were actually really good in it for an NES game. You know, it looks really good. It's an excellent game and a a sucky game in one. Uh, So that is still better than the arcade version of that. Now, a game that is legendary amongst game players and is horrible in the arcade is Haunted Castle, which is Akamo Dojo or whatever it is, or Castlevania, as most people in this country know it. And, uh, basically it is kind of a really crappy, it's like they took, they took, uh, and I think that the NES Castlevania existed first, I could be wrong, I gotta look up the dates on the two games, but I think, I think, uh, Haunted Castle was like 1988, and the thing is, is I think Konami knew it was a crappy game, and so that's why they called it Haunted Castle, rather than calling it Castlevania because it would make people think that Castlevania was garbage and would not buy the NES game. Um, It's okay. I mean, you know, if you're in the arcades and you put a quarter in it, you're not going to feel like, oh, I got cheated on this. But you're going to realize that it's not a very good game. Um, You know, just the way it plays. Now, with that being said, I'd love to have a copy of the game because while it's crappy, it's still Castlevania. And um, it's not that crappy of a game it's better than a lot of games out there okay so what else is better there's a lot of other better games um, than arcade versions oh, why can't I think of some more hmm. well I'm almost home and if I think of some more I'll probably put it in another podcast but uh yeah so you know, if you have any ideas of games that you think are better than the arcade, feel free to tweet them to me as Ty K Laurie at uh, Ty K is my handle T I G H E K L O R Y. The last middle the middle initial stands for Kirk. And uh, so yeah, so Ty K Um tweet at me if you if you listen in to this, or you can email me at uh, Ty at or Ty at TyLori.com. Um, my website is tylori.com and the podcast website is podcast.tylori.com. I'm also on YouTube. So please, uh, you know, if you get a chance, check it out. I'm going to have some videos up on YouTube, maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow. Um, Got some other things to be working on. Uh, Maybe I'll have some good stuff to talk to you tomorrow about. I don't know. But uh, thank you everybody for listening to the podcast and I'll be back tomorrow. Good night.